Raise your frequencies to the Empress High Council. Great day, world family, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 4. Don't forget to hit the like, subscribe, and share button. You can follow us at Try Empress on IG and Twitter, or you can just Google the Empress High Council. We are everywhere. Before we get started, let's introduce our cast. This is the alchemist coming to you in a frequency of energy to transmute your social, spiritual, and financial currency into abundance. And this is Jazz Aphrodite coming to you on the three universal frequencies of love, music, and numbers. Happy Love Month. That's number one. This is Danny giving you positivity and providing you the resources and inspiration to become your authentic self. In this episode, we'll be speaking about the great resignation. The pandemic has paved the way for more people to have control in deciding the direction of their lives and their careers. A tale as old as time as the rubber finally meets the road and the employee fight for work-life balance due to productivity pressures, struggles with time and trading long life hours, grief and stress for pennies on the dollar. This should not come as a surprise. For decades, employees have been facing burnout, dips in morale and feelings of disconnection from their peers, family and friends. Is the Great Resignation a story of employees holding companies responsible for the pressures and control over their schedules, incomes, neighborhoods they live in, and time spent with loved ones? The Great Resignation has resulted in the biggest talent crisis since 2008 recession. But this time around, things are different. People are no longer competing for jobs. Companies are competing for people. In fact, approximately 4.3 million people quit their jobs in 2021. Some found new passions and some are just looking to make a career change and or start their own businesses. It is time to rebuild a better, smarter, holistic workforce that offers balance, flexibility and respect. Are employees finally in control to redesign the way they work? That's the question. So, empresses, what do you think? Round table, kings and queens, are we finally in control to design and redesign the way we work? I would say this, that it is definitely an employee market. And as such employees have to really map out what they want to do in their work, their work role, be it going back into the workforce or starting a new opportunity. So it's great to have this leverage, but employees now have to look at how they utilize it and use it to their advantage. And that is one thing that we have not fully seen um, mapped out uh, by the workforce. We've heard from the economists. We've heard from them a lot, especially with the recent um, January job report that came out that states that the unemployment rate is at 4%, but at the same time, you still have people departing the workforce. 
And they're um, saying that although that the unemployment rate is low in their eyes, uh, that this seems to be turning in a good direction because uh, people are starting to pivot. I hate that word, but we're doing that a lot these past two years. Pivot in how they work, be it working remotely. So you're not seeing, as they would call it, a dip. But the great resignation is still here for the fact that companies have not done a good job in addressing what is fully needed from employees, from those that want to stay in the workforce, being mindful of the employee's physical and mental well-being, and also looking at having resources where an employee can feel that they have, are making an impact within their respective organization. So that calls for development opportunities, professional development opportunities across the board, not just at the executive level. So one of the things that they recently um, called out was the fact that leadership, corporations, really need to look at providing appropriate resources for low-wage workers. The mindset that has been in the past is that low-wage workers in particular are expendable, and that's far from the truth. And we're seeing that more and more, especially with the statistics of the Great Resignation. The funny thing is, economists and the job market here at U.S., just looking at the United States, they really thought that this trend would end at the end of 2021. So... The continuance of the Great Resignation has the job market, the U.S. job market, uh, really thrown off kilter, like, what do we do with this? And they're actually classifying now the Great Resignation as a ticking time bomb and really wanting leadership, executives, and organizations to start to think about what they're calling the Great Reset. Well, I don't know about the Great Reset because that has many different connotations that's separate from the job force. So I'm not even going to touch that conversation. But in regards to the resignation, I'm reading articles and they're calling it the Great Upgrade because now people are leaving their jobs, not necessarily to go out on their own, but to look for better opportunities. I think that America just needs to revisit the way that we approach work. They approach work as if everybody's working on an assembly line, whether they're in an assembly line job or if they're in the office. And that's not the way that we choose to work. We need to start looking at hourly wage work and start looking at work as product-based. If this is something that we are actually creating, something that is tangible, something that is going to contribute to whatever the end goal is, rate me and pay me according to the product that I develop. It should not be based on a number of hours that I'm sitting in your face because we all know that we've been in offices with people sitting there for eight, nine, and 10 hours clocking overtime and they are unproductive. Many of them are shopping online, booking dinner reservations, doing everything else, but actually working. The work gets done in like two hours within the day. And the other six hours, people are just goofing around, walking around the office. Who wants to throw a meeting for the sake of scheduling a meeting because people are available to talk about some stupid shit? Like, no, like, let's start revisiting the way that we work. 
I don't need to be in an office every day. I can accomplish more in my bed on my laptop. As long as I give you what you need at the time that you need it, that's fine. Pay me as a professional at the end of the week, two weeks, however the payment cycle is. Give me my salary. I don't need to be paid hourly. And so that's what we need to revisit. Allow people to have a life. I should be able to go out in the middle of the day and go to a doctor's appointment or get my nails done because I need me time in the middle of the day. Today is a day that is a stress day for me and I need to go and get some pampering in the middle of the day. You will have your report, your deck, whatever it is that you need by tomorrow at eight o'clock. But right now I need some me time. Like let us be real about the way that we function. No one needs to be relegated to a desk all day. So America needs to revisit the way that people function in society and be realistic. Like a slave mentality, this top-down mentality is so ridiculous and so passe. And for those who are not upgrading, some people are just chilling. They realize that they were getting that money from unemployment when it was good and it was nice and we were getting that $600 and they found ways to either keep it going or found some new hustles. Like people are finding different ways to make money. People are tired of massa on their back. And that's just what it is. And on top of that, Jazz, is the fact that people started to realize that their hourly wage salary wasn't adding up or lining up to the cost of living, as we all know, that has increased. And they were better off in collecting unemployment during the time when we had the the stimulus to live. Um, so that's, that's the other thing that, that comes to mind. And folks are like, enough. We, we deserve better. You know, me, self-priority. And it's, exactly. not, and it's not just self-priority at the top. It's self-priority across the board. That leads us to uh, a piece that I was looking at and actually thought about. People who are working remotely now are more hesitant to go back into the office. Do you think that remote work has led to less harassment microaggression, decrease of commuter stress, as well as fitting into the corporate culture of, of dress. Now you can get up, get work done and just, and be you. One of the other things is that since people have been working remotely, household debt went down. Does it cost more to go to work? Yeah, it does. What aggravates me is that we've been working in this field in education for like 10 years. We've been trying to tell people that telecommuting is the way to go. I remember I had so many proposals taking it up to legal to let them know we can allow the teachers to work from home and pay them for the products that they create. Oh no, it's breaking chancellor's regulations. It's a stupid regulation that you have on a piece of paper that can be amended. Of course, you're going to save money from working from home because you're not commuting. You're not spending money on lunch. You're not spending money on outfits and clothes. You're not spending money on all of the coffee that you buy because you need to stay up for eight hours during the day with these ridiculous meetings that they keep throwing you in all day. So yes, you're going to save money become being at home and you're going to be more productive. I wouldn't blame anybody for not going back into the office or the workforce after working from home. It gives them the flexibility, again, like I said, to take siestas in the middle of the day. I have been working remotely now for over five years. 
um, and different different variations, be it remote, complete remote, or hybrid. Um, obviously, with the pandemic, I have primarily been remote. You get a lot more out of me when I'm remote. I'm putting in more than eight hours. And as such, I've had to regulate my timing as to when I do things and put in certain parameters to ensure that I have self-care. The problem that a lot of companies, organizations, they, this urge and need to have people come back into the office is, is, is dollars and cents when it comes to their, if they've acquired property and they want to maintain that property and have a reason to be paying rent or whatever. Um, and also the hierarchical um, mindset of wanting to watch people and feeling that if you're in a position of power, ensuring that that work is getting done. There was an interesting article that came out um, last year when uh, there were people who were going back into the office, especially when you think about those who are black and brown community, uh, there was the feeling of anxiety of going back because it's like, oh my gosh, I have to now put my other representative on uh, to come back into the workspace. Your white counterpart was excited to be going back, but as a person who's black and brown persuasion, it's like, here we go. And having to navigate and 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 engage with people face to face. I know for me, in working in the space remotely for all of these years, besides productivity, not getting caught up in like the rah-rah or the politics of things, what have you, and just doing the work and hoping that the work speaks for itself in regards to how I produce and how I function. Um, so there are pros and cons to working remotely. And one of the cons, potential cons, is the question mark and gray area as it pertains to like diversity. Like, do people really know each other because they're in this virtual paradigm, right? Um, and you don't you don't really have a, a better sense of who that individual is. And in some instances in the past two years, a lot of people have been hired during the pandemic and have never met their colleagues in person. So now what? Exactly. And I think that makes the virtual paradigm, it makes all people equal. What do you think, Jazz? It should make all people equal because we're all starting from an equal playing field. I think what will separate people is the quality of the work. And so that now becomes more scrutinized in a virtual environment because I no longer, like Danny said, have to watch over people as an executive or a manager. Now I'm watching over the work and I'm micromanaging the work as opposed to micromanaging the people. So yeah, everyone should be on equal playing fields in a virtual environment. But again, there's something about not meeting in person that kind of takes away from the work dynamic. I think there needs to be a hybrid combination if there can be, depending on where people are located. But there's something about coming together to build team, especially if you're doing something that is project-based and people from different 
offices have to contribute to the end product. There needs to have a synergy involved. And so I'm never one who advocates for a complete virtual solution or a complete face-to-face solution. I believe that there needs to be a balance of both. And yeah, it depends on the job role and capacity, especially if you're a creative, you a, a good majority of the time need to be in a space, as you said, um, Jazz, to have the space of synergy and to um, feed off of each other creative-wise to get um, a project or a product or whatever or an idea to come to fruition. So I too am am for the for the for the advantage to have a hybrid uh, type of setup. So you have the choice as to whether or not you want to come into the office space. Um, I know for me, there were times when I worked in hybrid, um, I wanted to just go to the office because I wanted to change the scenery. Okay. Now it took a lot out of me commuting wise. Cause by the time I got to the office, I was like, Jesus, <laughs> let me, let me get my mind right. Because it, cause commuting is, is a lot. And you depending on commuting average time for some folks at, at minimum is an hour. And then it can go, I've heard people commuting three hours one way to get to work. So, um, I know what I would do that going into the office, it was like a mental preparation. But then at the same time, I was happy to be there for that time because I got to collaborate and work with, with people and get that, um, that fix, that sensory fix of, of engaging with people one-on-one, um, face-to-face. But then, you know, I appreciate also having my remote space and just not being bothered. Yeah. I was one of those folks that commuted two and a half hours each way at one point in time leaving Long Island and going all the way to New Jersey. But the stress, even when I lived in Brooklyn and just going to Manhattan, that that stress of that five train and that two train in the morning, by the time you get to work, you've already had a mental workout or can be mentally exhausted. The stress is on its own of commuting is something. But I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the government. And how the government has been offering incentives to companies to bring their employees back to work. So what happens is the employee, the the companies actually started to give incentives to regain or recruit top talent. For instance, college tuition has been paid. It should have been paid anyway a long time ago. Why wasn't that incentive across the board? Signing bonuses. Um, hourly wages have increased. And when I talk about hourly wages, I'm talking about the Targets, the Chipotles, the Walmarts, the Starbucks of the world. Like Target now is going to pay 100% of tuition and textbook for specific programs to recruit talent and for people to, to work for them. Chipotle, Walmart, and Starbucks is offering similar programs. And McDonald's, Walmart, and Under Armour, as we all know, have increased the hourly wage. So remember the hourly wage. I mean, when I was young, the hourly wage was three twenty-five. Now it's fifteen dollars an hour. Even if the hourly wages wages are increased to fifteen dollars an hour, who in New York can live off of that? So, do you think the employee incentives will work to regain people to come back into the industry? based on these incentives? And how long do you think these incentives will last before they take them away and it's back to the same old, same old? It's not going to work. It's not going to work because 
what they fail to realize is a lot of these people who are working in those fields stopped working because of these ridiculous mandates that they posed on people. And so because they had these mandates that they now had to lift for organizations that had a large number of people, people were like, F it. If my health has to come into this conversation, then you know what? I don't need to work for you. I'm not coming back to your organization. And again, once you give people the opportunity not to work for you, they will take advantage of it. They will find reasons and find ways to stay home because ultimately nobody wants to go to work. Like let's, let's be real about it. Like if we had a utopian society, we would be doing what we love to do, finding ways to either live off the land if the world was really what it was supposed to be or barter for services or just be out doing what we naturally wish to do. This whole idea of this work Slave mentality is still a slave mentality in terms of top down. It's just that you're getting paid monetary currency for it, but it's just the same paradigm. So nobody really wants to work. So if you're going to tell me and put all these crazy stipulations on me, you know what? F you, I'm not coming to your job. I don't care if you pay my tuition. I don't care if you have any incentive. Unless you're giving me a Google type deal where I can come and my clothes are cleaned. I have a place to eat. Somebody's washing my laundry. There's a daycare center somewhere in the building. Like If every organization looked at the Google model and the way that they treat their employees, then yeah, people will be rushing back out to work. Because now you're catering to people's lifestyles and you're taking the whole person into consideration. But you're paying me this measly $15 an hour and then you want to pay my tuition and do all those other things. Who told you I want to go back to school? What's crazy is that I was working for the phone company fresh out of college, fresh out of grad school, actually. No, before I even got to grad school. And they were offering people to go to college. They were paying your tuition. That's how I even got to Columbia and didn't have to pay a cent. Verizon paid for it. You know how many people did not take advantage of that? They were so excited when they hired me that I said I was going to go and pursue my master's degree. I was already accepted. They were like, oh, we'll definitely pay for that. We'll be happy to pay for that. Why is that? People are not taking advantage of all of these perks that companies give them. So I don't know why they figure that that's going to be a draw now for people to come in after you've had, you wasted two and a half years of our lives with this. Like what is going to motivate people to do this? On, on top of that, we got to think about when people are in the current, the current state, right? So you give this opportunity for tuition to be paid, yet they're making $15 an hour Okay, you're covering my education tuition. Thank you. Thank you kindly. But I still got to live in the now while I go to school. I have rent to pay or, or a portion of a mortgage to pay or all of the mortgage to pay. I have I have utility bills to pay. I have daycare to pay. And daycare is a whole nother salary in its own right. So what is $15 an hour going to do for me while I'm seeing about going to school because you're covering my tuition. Fantastic. Great. But I need you to think about what's going on with me in the present while I do all of these things. And that's where these incentives miss the mark. I will say this. The last time I saw a signing bonus was over 20 years ago when I first came out of college in my first job at a top at one of the top 3 consultancy firms in the country 
And I don't think I ever saw a signing bonus ever again or people entertaining that type of thing ever, ever again. And I got my signing bonus and it was actually higher than some of my peers who were coming in as a hiring class because of the school I went to. Okay. So now, okay, you're bringing back signing bonus. So if I told you that I, the last time I saw a signing bonus was about 2015 years ago, that should speak volumes of the fact that you're now bringing this stuff, this stuff back. Exactly. 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 This is stuff that should have been into play a long time ago instead of now utilizing it as a bone now to recruit talent. Like you said, these, these, this has completely missed the mark, completely missed the mark. In August of 2021, 10.4 million job openings were available across the country. With this mass exodus and with the cost of companies may have... uh, uh, See, and what I'm trying to say is because of all these massive job openings across the country and this mass exodus, this costs companies money. And yes, they are starting to listen, but they're really not listening. They're not listening. There's a cost for exit processing when it comes to your employees leaving. There's a training cost. There's loss of productivity. And there's a cost to reattract talent. So that's the bottom line of the company. And this is, these are the the scraps. (laughs) These are the scraps that they're throwing. That percentage, the alchemist. It's 33%. It is 33% per worker with when you, when you have, when you have individuals depart and all of the the components that you just called out, that is a 33% loss per worker. So for, for companies and organizations, it's obvious dollars and cents. So still not keeping in mind about the physical and mental well-being of the individual. How in the world do you expect someone to function if you are not putting that piece at the forefront? And then, of course, the dollars and cents being in the top three, whatever have you. There has to be a, a, a shift in the prioritization of, of what companies and organizations look at. And I don't know when that will happen, but this right now, this ain't it. (laughs) It most definitely is not it. I don't know what's going to lead to the improvement of how corporations do business ultimately. I am just glad that we have the great resignation. The employees have spoken. There's something happening. We put our foot down and it's time for them to listen and listen with intent and listen with not only the intent, but provide programs, salaries for us to be able to want to work for you. Like the hybrid, being able to being able to be involved in working hybrid, like the like Jazz mentioned being able to have the opportunity to come come and go as you please, being able to have the opportunity if this is your stress day, 
Uh, I just need to take a few hours, but I'll get back to your work. And and being able to complete your work, not not a, speaking of complete your work, I think it's in um, Canada. In Canada, you don't work a work day. You actually work based on project. So even if you're supposed to work, you know, eight hours a day, if you come to work and you finish what you're doing in two to three hours, you go home, you're still paid your, your salary. But that's how it is in a professional, a real professional environment. I mean, that's how I ran my team, even though we were supposed to be there for six hours. Because I know some days if I didn't come in, I had stuff to do in the morning, I would come in late. I would get what I was doing done in two hours and the day would be done. I had one guy who didn't start working till five o'clock in the evening. So he would just be shooting the breeze and going and talking to people all during the day, but he couldn't focus with people in the office during the day. So when everybody left at five, he would get his work done from five to seven. But that's something that I had to see about him. And instead of criticizing it, I was like, well, I see that you're more productive in the evening. So come in later. Why are you even coming in in the morning and wasting all this time reading newspapers and reading stuff? Just wait, come in in the afternoon and leave in the evening. Like people really have to be realistic about the people that work with and for them. Like, but you see, Jazz, what you utilize is that, and we'll talk about this in another thing. Um, utilize what's called you. You were on the balcony. You were on the balcony, and you looked over the balcony, in particular with this with this worker, and said, "Hold up, wait a minute. They work best in the evenings, late afternoon. Let's shift your time." Again. A lot of executives, managers across the board, they don't operate like that. And that is horrible because it's just like, well, I'm the manager and you got to do this work and it has to get done between the hours of eight to five or nine to five or nine to six or whatever hours of eight to six. There's no set time because everyone is different in regards to level of productivity. And that's what this society not even just in the United States, but in other countries, you know, need to get out of the mindset that everything needs to be done within a six to eight hour time period and preferably between these these time frames that I just called out. It doesn't work that way. And Jazz, I'm glad you said that because I was that employee. <laughs> I was. I was. Because the job was easy for me. It was easy. People people actually needed to work all day on what it was that they were doing. I was displaced. So I can actually work from five to seven and get everything that everyone got done from 8.30 to five or 8.30 to 5.30. And then there's those people. So the question is, is the Great Resignation a story of, of employees holding companies responsible for the pressures and control over their schedules, incomes, neighborhoods they live in, and time spent with loved ones? Do you think the wave of resignations could ultimately lead to improvement in the lives of employees and how corporations do business? And as it stands, as of right now, the answer is no. I agree. Um, what would need to happen with the state that we're in, this great resignation, there would need to be a very, very, very extensive holdout from employees for this to really resonate 
I'm not talking about what's been going on where, you know, the great resignation officially happened February of 2021. So in essence, we've, we've been in this for a year. I'm talking about like massive holdout for more, more than three, five years, like employees standing their ground saying, I, I don't, I still don't want this. Do better, do better, do better, do better. And if that doesn't happen, we will continue the cycle of the employers having the upper hand. Well, I can say that they've created that environment on their own. I don't even think that they plan for all of this to happen, but the more that they continue with everything around this pandemic is the more that people are going to hold out. So they've created something that's just picked up a wave and it's going to continue until we go back to some level of normalcy and people feel as though they have autonomy, the same level of autonomy that they thought they had pre-pandemic. So until that is restored, this is going to continue. And if they don't know that, then they need to know that. And the other component to that is about 35% of the workforce are millennials right now. Millennials are not signing up to do what their parents did at all. Go to work, spend all these long hours at work, come home with barely enough to pay their bills and nothing to retire on. And in eight years, Millennials will be 75% of the workforce. So they are changing the game. And over the last year and a half, there have been more millennial millionaires created than ever with social media. They are finding ways not to work at your companies and start their own business. So on that note... Kings and queens, queens and kings of the Empress High Council. We're going to leave you with those thoughts. But before we go, we're going to give you our herb of the episode and our crystal of the episode. So the crystal of the episode, for those of you who have decided to go back into the workforce, who didn't have the opportunity to start your own venture, The crystal is cinnabar, and cinnabar is one of the best crystals for manifesting a job. It not only grants you the ability to be more confident, but also gives you the courage to embrace the unfamiliar atmosphere of a new job. It is certainly one of the best crystals for starting a new venture. One thing to know about cinnabar, though, is that it contains a great deal of mercury. So if you're going to handle cinnabar, you need to wash your hands immediately afterward. It's good to have on your desk because cinnabar is also the magician's stone. So any downloads or impressions, or if you need to give a speech, it makes you speak fluently, like the words just come to you automatically. So cinnabar is a great stone to have around you if you are speaking or giving a speech, but definitely when handles, wash your hands afterward. The herb of this episode is devil's shoestring. The powers of the devil's shoestring are protection, gambling luck, power, and of course, employment. Used to ward off evil when worn around the neck, gamblers carry devil's shoestring as a good luck charm. Cut the root into small pieces, place in a jar filled with whiskey and the spirits of camphor. When you need power of any kind, take out a piece of root and rub your hands with it. 
then use the root in the appropriate way. For example, money is desired, place it near money or in your wallet. A piece of devil's shoestring carried in the pocket while seeking employment or while having problems at work will either help you get hired or will smooth out the difficulties. Also carry when asking for a pay raise. That's the herb, devil's shoestring. Thank you for tuning in. Queens and Kings of the Empress High Council. You can follow us at Try Empress on IG and Twitter, or you can just Google the Empress High Council. We are everywhere. We're going to leave you with our one final thought. Know your worth.